Okay, so now we're recording. So, one, two, three. I'm the eldest boy! I am boy. the eldest boy! <laughs> didn't blow anyone's eardrums out oh god um <laughs> the the intensity of kendall roy and oh god the cringiness and the everything of kendall roy insanity mm-hmm. oh man what a conclusion dude like i know it's funny too like i saw it not on the night it came out and it's just like it's did not lose its luster whatsoever it hit really hard and gave us some all-timer lines like it gave us <laughs> and i hate to laugh at it because it was so serious but it's like oh man like what an ending to like one of the best shows around it really does make you just think how just how finite an ending of a show could be but also just i don't know i i, I almost don't want to nest well i would say original but i mean in hindsight I've had more time to think and be like, okay, this does have similar vibes to like the end of The Sopranos and you know the end of and the end of a lot of other sort of uh, you know premier ca- cable TV. Um, yeah, I just I couldn't compare it to the end of Boardwalk Empire though because that ending was just don't that's. Ugh. That's an ending. That, end, so yeah. I, I won't give it away, but it's it's very disappointing, and you're just kind of like, oh, it just ended. All right. Uh, so no season six. Okay. Well, you should have stopped at season three. Anyway, I've already talked about that. Um. Yeah, Succession. It's over. I can't believe it. Uh. Well, I think very quickly. Uh. Just so listeners know, I mean, at this point, we're recording this almost. Like almost, or if not, wait, two, is it, has it really been two weeks? It's been a while. <laughs> uh, it was the, 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 going to the calendar. It was a Memorial Day Sunday. Okay. And okay. it was like the holiday weekend of the Sunday night. And I think it was like the 27th. And yeah, it seems like it was yesterday. <laughs> and it sounds so cliche to say that, but it's just had such a lasting impact. I would say, was it the ending I anticipated or wanted? Uh, I'm not sure necessarily like did I enjoy mm. it very much but I was just not I didn't really see a lot of this coming I don't know if it caught you by surprise or if you saw the signs oh and I, maybe we should say spoiler alert if you haven't that, seen the yeah that, that's what I was I was gearing up to with that like wait has it been two weeks by the time this episode drops it will have been just a couple days shy of two weeks so listeners the klaxons are going off the the you know death star is approaching um but uh, it still feels like it just happened, but we've had time to grieve. Uh, but Pre-grieve, yep. Yeah. Uh, 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 been there. Um, yeah, well, I think, too, very quickly before we even get into the finale, um, <clears throat> we don't need to dedicate too, too much time to Episode 9, just because we haven't talked about it yet. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, episode nine really does set up a lot of the crazier 
moments that we saw with this episode, with the finale, when it comes to Roman's downfall, uh, uh there's a pun there, um, when it comes to Roman's downfall, when it comes to Kendall just, you know, becoming more of that just petty Michael Corleone that we know he could be, you know, if anything else, like, just the opportunism of Shiv, which was always there, but... I think if anything else, it it just gives us more of a reason to not only just rewatch episode nine, but the whole season, and arguably by extension the whole series, um, just to keep following the just to refollow, I should say, with the hindsight of what eventually happens to Tom's trajectory. Uh, fast forward to all the stuff with Gojo and pay attention this season in particular with uh, everything Shiv's up to, you just see all of that come to a head by the end of this episode, and then it just completely boils over in the finale in a way that, yeah, I, I don't think it was anything that I expected. Maybe I asked you this uh, last time we talked about it. Who did you think was going to be uh, the new CEO? Yeah, I thought it was going to be Ken. I thought they were setting it up with a whole, you know, he's going to win, but he's going to be like, nobody's going to be there for him because Jess leaves him, his assistant, his family. Last time you see them, they're leaving New York City. And uh, I really just thought he was going to be left alone. And, you know, and we'll get to the finale in a moment. But I really thought that it was going to be, what is the word, a pyrrhic victory, a pyrrhic victory, where just like win, but he's it's going to come at a huge cost. So I was thinking Ken all the way. I feel like the show, the show didn't really like tease it too hard, but they showed some flashes of Ken being the CEO and trying to be a killer and making side mm -hmm. deals with, was it Carl or Frank? It was Carl, I think. No, it was Frank. But they, they show him scheming. And so by episode nine, especially after Roman, I, I never thought it was going to be Roman. I never thought it was going to be Shiv. Um, I thought it was going to be Ken or, you know, nobody. Or I never even thought about this the whole time. Like, I never thought that Matson would be the C wouldn't be the CEO of the conglomerate that was formed. I guess I never thought of it this whole time that if Gojo buys Waystar, someone's still going to be in charge of Waystar. It won't just be Matson. So, yeah, that was my thinking. I don't know if you saw the same. I thought it was all going to lead to Kendall. Um and especially after episode nine, I mean, I still, I still had that goofy thought that maybe somehow it would be like, well, we still need an American. We'd love to keep it in the family. And they go the Game of Thrones option and give it to Bran. I mean, Greg, um, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think I, the longer I thought about that, especially after watching the finale, I realized that even though there's some, there was still some silliness to that, and I would argue plausibility because of Matson's just zaniness, and the fact that he does have a bit of a affection for Greg. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like, okay, so he doesn't pick Shiv, but he picks Greg? Which, again, you think about the zaniness of Matson, and it's like, yeah, that's the kind of dumb, idiotic decision that somebody like Elon Musk would make, but... I mean, let's not forget, this was the same man that once was like, oh, I'm going to have Dogecoin, the Do Dogecoin dog be the Twitter logo for like a week. Or, 
hey, here's a picture of our new CEO and it's of his dog. And you're just kind of like, oh, ha, 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 you know, people don't like you, right? You know, people want you to step down. You know, people are like, hey, he lied because he told us, oh, go to this poll and I'll leave Twitter, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, with <clears throat> everything that was played up by the end of episode nine, it was feeling a lot more clear to me that it, if things didn't go Matson's way, it was going to be Kendall. But then I never really considered how much of a monkey wrench was thrown into the equation by Roman's sort of Nietzschean uh, descent that he goes down where, you know, he's so broken by the side of the casket, realizing this is it, like, that's Logan, that's all that's going to be left of him, he doesn't even go inside the mausoleum, um, and totally breaks down. For the most, almost basically twice, you know, first before he's trying to give the speech, and then later, like, they're he's watching them move the casket in in his tomb, and he's like, all right, that's it, I can't do this anymore. And then Kendall just driving the knife into him, telling him the truth, but telling him, you know, hey, you fucked it. And then, like, kind of hammering on that, and then to boot, he has to realize that he's made a total fool out of himself, not just in the eyes of Matson, who he already hates. Mankin, who relied on him and now is like, I mean, he even makes fun of him later on, like, woohoo. Yeah. But also, I think if anything, there's like this trifecta of, of just losing his credibility, not just between those two men, but also to Kendall. Like, that's all that Kendall needs to really lean into the killer, I don't know, mindset where he can actually, like, he realizes that he can push Roman to do things that Roman might not like, but guess what? I'm CEO, fuck you, listen to me, or I'll, you know, poke your eye out, kid. Yeah. And he proves that in the finale in a way that I remember, like, even... I was watching the finale with my folks, and uh, even they, my dad was kind of like, "Ooh, what's he doing?" But not in a like, I make it made it made him sound really sassy there. <laughs> what's he doing? Um, no, it was like, "Ooh, what's he doing?" Like, "Ugh," and watching it a second time just made it that much more brutal. But then it's totally undone later on when Ken uh, is like, "Oh, I didn't kill anybody." Um, not to jump too far ahead, but anyway, <laughs> I don't know if you have any other thoughts about episode nine you wanted to mention. No, I, I, you know, I think the thing about episode nine is that I don't want to call it a forgettable penultimate episode, but mm -hmm. I think the events of episode 10 were just like, so it's the finale, of course, but episode 10 really, in my mind, overshadowed episode nine because I think oh, yeah. there were some things about episode nine that... For instance, in the trailers for the season, there was a shot of uh, Roman going to, in the street and like raising his arms during a protest. And, uh, you know, he does walk in the street and get literally beat up by protesters. And I think it's really, you know, really good uh, scene of him saying like, you guys don't even know, you know, that I was responsible for the reason you're here. But uh, to me, I guess the trailer and this is why trailers are problematic, because mm. I thought something more dramatic was going to happen. Um, there was also the absence of Tom from the funeral, which at the time I thought nothing of it, but, um, you know, it's like, there were a lot of things in episode nine that in my mind felt a little setup-y. I mean, it is the penultimate episode, but, yeah. uh, for me, 
a lot of what happened in episode nine, as you said, that comes undone in episode 10 made episode nine a, a tad forgettable. You know, I think one thing that looking back, hindsight's 2020, but Mencken being like, I suppose, a lame duck or there's got to be another term for that. He basically, you know, it, it's implied that he's not going to be the president in episode 10. But yeah. in episode nine, if I'm not mistaken, they're vying for his attention, vying for his influence. So I think a lot of that gets just undone by episode 10. So for me, there's some things about episode nine that didn't hit, but it was a perfect eulogy for the literally and metaphorically for Logan Roy. Mm-hmm. I think that was the strongest part of the episode. And not even so much Ken coming in to save the day with the speech, but also his brother, Ewan, I believe, um, giving his honest opinion about him. And it's so funny, too, the whole joke of like everyone forgets about Khan. Uh, everyone goes up except Khan. So that was kind of funny and sad. But it was a, a perfect. There felt like there was a. They put a bow on the Logan storyline because there was always the funeral hanging over. It wasn't clear until the trailer for episode nine when this funeral was going to happen. There was a point in the season where I thought it would have just happened in the background. So for me, uh, and most of the episode was at the funeral, but for me, a lot of the maneuvering uh, just didn't really carry a lot of weight. Fun fact that I heard from a succession, well, formerly succession themed, uh, podcast um that was talking sort of reflecting on the season and the season finale they talked a little bit about episode nine and the funeral and how when they were filming that apparently they were trying to there there was somebody that i guess later on said online that um they had pamphlets readily available in case somebody like leaked what happened where the funeral was made to seem as if it was Ewan's funeral. And to further bolster that possibility, they they had Brian Cox on set. Yeah. So, which I thought was pretty smart, because, you know, other than the LA Times, um, I haven't heard anywhere else about a potential, you know, oh, potential spoilers about what happens in this season, because... So many of the possibilities for the finale, and especially just kind of fan theories, other than our own of who would be CEO, like, oh, you know, by the end of it all, Roman would betray Kendall, and he'd find some way to sort of out Kendall as being a fraud, which he technically does, um, just from a very weakened position. Um, but then also there was this other idea that, uh, which it's it's kind of reminiscent of the whole Kendall and water thing, which we will talk about. The fact that, you know, this season is basically taking place over the span of, like, I think a week, and or a little over a week, and Tom is, like, episode after episode, he's just like, I'm so tired, I just want to go to bed, I can relate to him, um, <laughs> even before I was on vacation. Uh, and after what happens with Tom in the finale... You know, I remember bringing it up with my folks how, like, there was this whole idea of, like, well, maybe Tom's gonna, like, take sleeping pills, or he's gonna, like, I don't know, be so fed up. Because even when he has the fight with Shiv in, I think it was episode 7, there was something ominous about it where he's laying there in bed. And then also just the fact that 
they have a fight on this balcony of this tall building, you know, this penthouse in this tall building in New York City, and it was basically all to insinuate that Tom was either going to, like, jump to his death or that he would, like, die of a sleeping pill overdose, and yeah. I think that does lean more into sort of the bloodthirsty side that I know was a factor in season three with, um, and admittedly I leaned into it because I thought that would be an, an intriguing way to continue the show when, um, Kendall basically sticks his head under the water in the penultimate episode of season three. And I thought, wow, what's season, what's the finale going to be like with Kendall dead? And then he was fine. And so I think to some degree, I'm, glad that they didn't do anything too crazy like that or with any of the other major fan theories of what how the show would end to get to episode 10 um roman is remote he's with uh caroline in the caribbean after you know he's has his encounter with the protesters um shiv and kendall hunt him down meanwhile kendall's trying to get enough shareholders to be on his side so that the deal doesn't pass uh Shiv's on the other hand, where she's basically trying to screw her brothers. It's already insinuated in the public that she's pulling the strings on Matson, which I thought was great. And you know, we talked we've talked about this the last couple times we've talked about Succession. That in and of itself was such a good example of how this show mimics our real world. Where you know, I mean, how many times in the early Trump years did you see something like that, where it's like you know, Steve Bannon the the devil behind Donald Trump and literally the strings. Yeah, it was definitely cool to see that and you know get that sense that like yeah, there's still a world out there that these people have to live in, and then it just boils further once Kendall gets to the Caribbean and not only is it clear that him and Shiv are going at it and and pretty brutally, who how how are they going to resolve this and then it just results in results in just total. I, I, I'd call it simmering at this point in the episode, but by the end of the 90 minutes, it was total blowout. Or blow yeah. up. Yeah. It was really interesting, the arc in the last 90 minutes, because it was almost like a nice little encapsulation of, if you've never seen Succession, it was like the arc of each character was perfectly encapsulated in those 90 minutes of warring siblings. Everybody's cool. Khan is forgotten, you know, and then uh, a really big tragic collision at the end. So in a sense, that was kind of nice. It's almost like when you write an essay and you write the perfect conclusion, you know, like it was really nice. You know, I, I didn't even think about that, but you really had if you told somebody and I wouldn't recommend this to only watch one episode of Succession to see like this is what the show's like. Episode 10 had it all. And, you know, it's funny how you talk about. Well, it's not funny, but the dialogue in this episode I feel like episode 10 also did not have the most profane dialogue uh, or the grossest insults, but maybe the most stinging because, uh, you know, the writers really let loose in episode 10 of like, you know, like we're not going to say anything that's like profane or like how Roman has some nasty lines, uh, but it got really, it was like, just made you sad. Like it made you feel bad for people because they went really hard at each other. You know, when you have a mother in the picture who's not a good mom, you get some really, really hard lines at each other. So um, I thought that was a really good part of episode 10, showing the showing all the sides of the siblings. And, you know, there's a moment where 
and the siblings make up and the siblings are having a great time and it was kind of weird to see because at the same mm -hmm. time you know I was like okay well this is kind of what we also wanted to see at some point during the show even after they aligned after the season three finale they also weren't like buddy buddy chummy even when they started the season making the hundred they were not this happy so they were just uh, had one last moment of solidarity it was nice to see but it's I just thought it was really, really a really effective way to show their relationship throughout the course of the episode. And they even folded in, uh, what is it? When when shows end, it makes me think of the Seinfeld ending, how you get every character from every season at the ending. But you even get uh, the the husband who's just like a rich hanger on pitching like a uh, marketing scheme or something. And you really get it like a really good taste of every flavor of the show. I don't remember if there was any mention of Logan necessarily or any direct mention of Logan or any influence of Logan in episode 10, but uh, episode nine being the literal and metaphorical eulogy, uh, episode 10 was about the kids. And it also just makes me think, could this show have gone on if it was just the kids? But I feel like with everything they showed us in episode 10, that was the bandwidth of what they could have shown us. But that's not to discredit how powerful it was. I thought that Roman, it was kind of funny seeing him in like a t-shirt and shorts. Like you just like saw vulnerabilities in these characters that no matter how much they were beat up, you didn't see before. Mm -hmm. I thought that was like pretty strong. But man, what a roller coaster in those last maybe what? 35 minutes oh my I god i would say even though the dialogue is still so rich and you know stinging you know I, I i kept noticing as well especially like just paying attention to like roman for example like he's still he still got it but you could tell that like he is so shell-shocked from the funeral and you even see it later on where there's a couple characters that he's like i really i just i i don't want to see them. I don't want to be in the room with them, like Jerry or Madsen. It's so weird to see just because he's never been like that. And then on top of that, you know, he, he has the total... Well, he comes clean about his thoughts on Kendall being CEO when the trio realizes, okay, Madsen is looking for an American CEO, but it's not Shiv. And they have that last moment of unity, or at least it starts... And it just continues, it continues to bloom or blossom, but in some ways it was already self-defeating from the get when, you know, Kendall goes out swimming. Ugh. Roman and Shiv have their little chat about Kendall being CEO. And, you know, when I first saw it, I thought, okay, it's an admission that neither of them can really do the job. It also is a, a very sort of Shakespearean almost, I mean, it, it, it was like a play. It, it was like you were watching this little aside of like, you know, oh, yes. What shall we do? Oh, oh. oh, well, you know, for all this time, we've... Uh, uh, like, it, it was very just... But it was very in character, and I think it gave both of them another moment to shine as, well, we're Kendall's younger siblings, and this is what we think of Kendall. And both of them doing their impressions of Jeremy Strong was hilarious. Then, obviously, they go to him, and they're basically like, my king, my king, you know. And then they do the whole meal fit for a king thing, which, you know, 
a little goofy. I, I did like the whole moment with the cheese, but it, I don't know. It was overall, it was it was so weird, and I couldn't help but just think, yeah, this is the weird thing that like rich people do to think that they're like everybody else. Is they're just oh, let's just take everything out of the, the refrigerator and just you know blend it, and that's oh, it's it's like a protein shake. Oh, it's like a you know what. What is it the the normies drink? Oh, it's like that, you know, and you're just kind of like, what the hell am I watching, you know? Now, by that point, what were you thinking about in terms of the next 30 minutes, roughly? Just because by that point, they appeared, question mark, to have buried the hatchet, and it looked like it was finally going to be what episode one promised, which is eventually one of these kids, likely Kendall's going to be CEO. Did you have any thoughts yeah. within those last that last half hour yeah when they were like meal fit for a king i'm like well this is goofy but like maybe the show is showing us like that was a brand new side of the kids so i thought maybe this is a brand new side of the story you know they're really setting up something unique and it sounds weird to say unprecedented but something new for the show so i thought mm -hmm. this is really turning a corner i literally thought there was going to be some sort of half-hearted unity at this point, I thought, well, it's going to be Ken, but it's going to be kind of like a weak alliance or there's going to be some implication that it's really not going to be like a lifetime CEO appointment necessarily. And by that point, Roman and Shiv, even though their last name is Roy, their influence is still pretty weak. So mm -hmm. or another board members, but they weren't going to be game changers in that sense. So. To me, I thought it was going to be Ken, but I thought it was going to be like a weak, a weak monarchy stealing from Jerry. But I really just thought that it was going to be a monarchy on unsteady footing at that point. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the dual situations of Tom being with Madsen and having that little sort of final interview, I guess you could say. And it, it definitely made me go back and watch just a bunch of the a bunch of random episodes post-Norway just to get an idea of like see how Madsen and Tom were interacting see what Madsen was looking for every time he talked with Shiv and in re-watching the finale it was definitely clear like oh of course Tom's got it um first time when Tom was like I'm good I'm good I took that as uh he's not gonna lose his job but it, I didn't think it necessarily meant he was going to actually get the CEO position. Um, or at the very least... That's not true. At the very least, he'd get it, but he'd probably lose it because the siblings would still come out on top. And even by that point, I still thought there was a chance the siblings would lose. And then the other half of that coin being the whole family showing up to Logan's old place and, you know, putting stickers on belongings and, you know, they yeah. have the little tender moment watching the video uh, of... Logan when he was alive with Connor and other people in the in their circle, you know, Jerry, Carl, Frank, Carrie, you see a Carrie glimpse. Yeah. And, you know, the siblings have their moment with their dad one more time and they're all emotional and there's tears in their eyes and what have you. And then it all just kind of gets to totally swept away by um, both the fact that Greg gets outed for pretty much snitching to the siblings that, uh, you know, somebody was in the running and that it was likely going to be Tom. And then Shiv finding out. And, you know, Tom, like, 
he could have done a much better job at being coy about it, but he pretty much just unzips his fly, and I'm kind of thinking, <laughs> what were you thinking, what did you think was going to happen when Shiv heard that you, not her, not her brothers, but you were going to be CEO? Like, do you not know this woman already, my man? Come on, you know. Yeah, it felt like one last, let me stick it to her, but it definitely was, you know, his anxiety over losing it and he beats up Greg in the bathroom. And that's the funny thing, too, is that Greg is referred to as a Judas later, but Greg, yeah. I feel like it was an honest mistake. I feel like he wouldn't have really tried to screw over Tom, but mm -hmm. yeah, it was definitely an early victory lap and it would have been crushing to see it taken away at that point because uh, so soon after... The nasty balcony argument you're just like this guy can't get and then election night you can't think this guy will get beat up anymore so it was like you there was the suspense of like i can't believe they're gonna he's gonna get screwed over again because mm -hmm. other than the end of season three victories were few and far between i guess you can say yeah he was the head of atn which is also kind of funny and surprising when it happened but I really thought that it was he was going to lose it. Like you see Matson angry saying like, hit the phones, hit the phones. And you get a bit of a sense of danger. The kids walking in the unified front. So that was kind of like another reinforcement of like, this is uh, this is uh, a coin flip at that point. So mm. to, in true succession fashion, they really just like throw you off loop one more time. And it's funny that Greg had his ultimate like competent moment at that moment. It's so funny, too, because it was like something so simple as opening up Google Translate when Matson was talking in Swedish, I suppose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was just like the simplest thing. But Greg came through. And of course, when Greg is at his best, he's really at his worst, apparently. So I thought it was kind of nice to give Greg a moment, even though, you know, we could talk about Greg another time. But mm -hmm. it was nice that Greg had a, a minor victory there. Um, but yeah, the allegiances, if this was a flow chart, would be impossible to track at this point. <laughs> Greg tells Kendall, Tom tells shit. Like it was, um, it got messy. But that's also the nice thing about succession is that no matter how messy the alliances get, it's still somehow pretty easy to follow. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that was always something that, you know, other shows like Game of Thrones definitely made a little too complicated, I think even for me at times, and, you know, I know that there's a lot of other shows out there that try and play with that, but with Succession, you know, you're not, you're really not dealing with life or death, so the fact that it's more business allegiances, and it's also a family, and it's also like, you know, as much as the show reflects reality, I, I still vividly remember before even season three started, um, when I during the pandemic when I had binged the first two seasons, where I thought it was so funny how in season two, it was like episode after episode, Logan would tell everybody, "Okay, we're all going to this thing," and it, you know, it's it's like that Peaky Blinders moment of like no fighting and don't you know fuck it up or whatever. Yeah. And it's but it's Logan telling his kids and his whole family that, and like the Pierce episode, the first episode where they meet with the whole Pierce yeah. family group and literally everyone is just screwing it for themselves 
person after person, the camera's going from Greg to Shiv to Roman to Kendall to Tom, and you're just like, holy God, everyone is sticking their feet in their mouths, and Logan's just looking around like, <laughs> you know, smiling, you know. Um, so, you know, th there is sort of that that little bit of, like, suspension of disbelief that you kind of have to have with a show like this, but also apply it to reality. Like, because, again, it's not life or death. It's a bunch of family members in a business working around each other, trying to get the upper hand on the other person. And so, um, now I will say uh, very quickly, because uh, this does lead into the big showdown at the end, because, uh, and I already hinted at it earlier, the moment where um, Jerry walks into the building and, you know, Roman is like, you know, what's she doing here? There are some characters by the end of the show that I do wish had better send-offs or endings like Jerry. Yeah. Um, that, I feel like, was... like, And, you know, I, I could name off, like, a small handful of characters where I'm like, I wish this person had this or that. Like, I, I thought about it this morning with Mencken, because... You know, it's, of course, I'm obsessed with the presidential candidate, uh, I guess president-elect. But, um, like, the fact that he, you know, the last time you see him, he's just summoned away from uh, Shiv and Matson. It's like, oh, that's it? Okay. But they plant that little seed that goes nowhere of, you know, oh, well, you know, court and every There's a chance he might not actually become president. Now... From the standpoint of knowing this is the end of the show and knowing that it's not trying to tell the story of the whole world around the Roys, around Waystar, number one, I get it. And number two, I think part of the genius of the show is giving you a taste of what this family's impact on the world around them is. For example, the election episode, but then realizing that the world around them sees what they do very differently than what they see themselves doing. The biggest exemplar of that is every time Carl, Frank, Jerry, and Carolina all have those little, like, kind of aside moments where they're basically laughing at the kids. Yeah. And that just gives away the whole idea that they're, as Roman says at the end, it's all bullshit. It's all fucking bullshit. And, of course... And this is really what goes to show that Kendall could never have been CEO. He gives it away when he says, you know, yeah, I didn't kill that kid. It all harkens back to what Logan says at the at the start of the season. And also, I know Kendall said it to Roman, like, back in season one, which is, you're not serious people. Yeah. Who would have thought that that would have been the defining quote of the whole show? Like, mm -hmm. when it happened in episode three... I thought, well, this is the back and forth, you know, like this is just in the an insult in the longest line of insult. And this is how you know it's good writing. It was not like a profane insult. It was not funny. It was just serious to the point. It was simple and effective. And that was literally the thesis of the show. You know, that was literally the perfect encapsulation of the show and how it came back to bite them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I guess talking about that scene, you know, if we're getting to the board meeting, of, you know, Judgment Day, you know, does the board going to vote for the Gojo deal or not? It's six, six tie. Speaking of characters with weird endings, Stewie is last seen voting on Kendall's side. And that's kind of it. Yep. But uh, 
and then the same uh, but the very end maybe he's in the boardroom after uh, the meeting's over but uh shiv is the deciding vote and they go into that board conference room where it's very audible for everybody else mind them and uh, the the argument to end all arguments i would say like that scene is so hard to watch but i've rewatched it a hundred times on youtube you know me too <laughs> i know there is the uh which will be memeified forever quote we started the show off with but man <laughs> out of every succession argument uh diss you know like every youtube compilation of like coldest disses from succession like just put this whole scene you know like this was brutal on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendall embarrassing himself in front of everybody, trying to force Shiv to vote for him to be CEO in a room that everybody can hear him plain and clear. And it's really just literally, what is it? Like, uh, it's literally everyone can see through him. Like, I, I suppose literally in this sense, mm-hmm. but it is so transparent how unserious they are when he spouts off the stuff he does. He yells at his sister in the middle of a board vote. Um, and it's so funny too, because this is Roman takes a back seat for most of the argument. And, you know, there's a really nasty conclusion to that, but uh, throughout this time, Roman is pretty silent. Shiv is being the vote, uh, you know, says like, I don't think you're going to be good for it. And then she pulls the, uh, you killed the guy and Kendall, throughout all his arguments of this was promised to me. If I don't do this, I might die. The the closest the show has ever winked at us or admitted that Kendall has suicidal uh, ideations. Like that is the closest the show had done it. And it was the perfect time to pull that out at Mm -hmm. the very end. So I thought that was really nice that they kind of finally tipped their head or nodded to it or literally. But first of all, Shiv body slams him metaphorically and then Roman, uh, pull, well, before Roman pulls an all-timer as well, uh, you got the uh, I am the eldest boy, which Shiv laughs at. And right, that right there could have ended the conference room scene, but it only gets worse from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like any other intense family argument. It really does, like... You think there's the one the one line that'll end it all, and then it just totally derails from there. Up until that point, what's so weird, too, about how all of this ends, and especially after the episode ended, and I'm, I'm not trying to jump around too much, but I'm still yeah. going in chronological order. By the end of it all, at least upon first-time viewing, I, I'll i admit there was that small part of me that felt uh, felt bad for Kendall, because quite literally, this was right in front of him, staring him back, and he almost had it. His life ambition... And the fact that one of his own family members totally takes it away from him, I mean, it it makes you wonder what the hell it would have been like had it been, you know, I don't know, uh, somebody else, basically a non-Roy that was the deciding vote. Like, how, how differently would Kendall have reacted? And then on top of that, he outs himself as not being a serious person by straight up saying, oh, oh, oh I didn't, I, that didn't happen. I didn't kill that kid. You know, that was, that was like a tactic, you know. And Terrible. But meanwhile, he's already, again, we've seen examples of how he's trying to build himself up and kind of kick the family out of the equation. I said it earlier with what he said to Roman at the end of episode 9. 
He does it again with Roman, where Roman's starting to crack about what's about to happen. He's realizing that he's not ever going to be CEO, and but he's also still dealing with this existential crisis, and it leads to that really gruesome moment that my dad had to be all about, where, you know, because he's got stitches in his eyebrow from what happened following the events of Episode Nine. Kendall pulls his head in for a hug, but he pulls him in brow first into his shoulder and just squeezes his head. And, you know, second time around, I'm watching that and I'm realizing, like, this is the... It's almost like a reversal of the you broke my heart Fredo moment where it's not even it's not even like, oh, Fredo betrayed Michael. It's more like Michael's just going to kill Fredo because Fredo's, you know, I don't know, less than. And and so by the end of everything, especially the second time I watched the finale, I was like, yeah, I, I don't feel bad for Kendall at all. I don't feel anything for Kendall at all other than. He got what he, you know, not to sound like uh, a certain DC villain, but he kind of got what he deserved, you know. And and I, I, I also took it to going up, leading into that moment where Shiv goes into the other room, Kendall follows her, and then Roman follows Kendall. It, it, it led me down a really, like, creepy thought of, did Roman follow Kendall because... For some, you know, and, and obviously this would only be something I think the writers of the show would know or would have thought of. Roman following Kendall, other than the fact that, oh, it's one more time we get the siblings all together to have a row. Was it a matter of Roman running into the room because he doesn't want Kendall to do to Shiv what Kendall just did to Roman like five minutes earlier? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, what is he going to lean his foot against her stomach? Like, you know, like something grisly. Like, it's, I don't know. That's a good point. You know, I didn't even think of that. You know, like, I think when Shiv went to the room, I figured, you know, Kendall's going to be freaked out. But it's funny that when he walks in the room and Shiv's just like, I need a moment. And she says, I changed my mind. Kendall's just like, oh, that's the fuck. Yeah. Like. (laughs) Kendall is like surprised and I understand like why he feels that way but even Shiv needing a breather and going to the room and like you know obviously being torn about this decision Ken still thinks he has it in the books because he's take he's so surprised when Shiv is just like I'm changing my mind like dude like Shiv had a panic attack and went to the room went to a different room because she knows she's about to break your soul so I thought that was like I actually never crossed my mind that Ken was capable that Ken could have done that, but it's a really good point because mm-hmm. at least when it came to Roman, we like now the point was made strongly that Roman has a weird relationship with pain, you know, when it comes to coping mechanism. And uh, that's something for another <laughs> psychology discussion, but he never actually, you know what? He never was violent towards Shiv, but when Shiv tried to leave the room later, he did like kind of grab her and and like Shiv tells him like don't fucking touch me in a way that she'd never yeah never heard her voice ever in the show yeah so like it was like he crossed the line but uh also skipping ahead to like Roman I know Roman has a few words with Kendall after the conference room but Roman decimates him in like one of the coldest lines of the whole show oh maybe the coldest line of the whole show when he's like, well, if you want to pull the I am the eldest boy, which is like 
it's going to be an iconic line, but I also do like that the coldest line of the show stems from a reaction to that. He says, I'm the eldest boy. Everyone forgets about Khan, so Khan's also involved here. And then he tells him, yours aren't real, implying his kids aren't his, saying that one's a buy-in and adoption, and the other is half Rava, his ex-wife, and half some filing cabinet guy, implying that it's some sort of uh, sperm donor or something, you know. Which just goes to show, and it, it pretty much corrects whatever we've said in the past, that these kids technically aren't Kendall's kids, which honestly, I I honestly thought at least one of the kids was was his and the other kid was adopted, but I was genuinely like, wow, okay. Ugh. Yeah, and then, and then Kendall starts uh, physically assaulting him. Roman doesn't protest. And then Shiv's just like, what the fuck? And she walks out. Kendall tries to stop her. She screams, get off of me. And Kendall just embarrasses himself further. And she goes and makes her vote. And, you know, I'm glad we we didn't need the show to show us her walking in and saying, like, fuck no or whatever. The ending of the show is also pretty strong and powerful. But I would have to say, like, that conference room. I don't know if you've had a moment with a live TV show. Let's say maybe Game of Thrones might have been the last one. And I know the last episode was a dud, but that was one of the most intense and impactful and hardest hitting scenes in a finale I can remember in live TV. And I know I might be hyping it up. I know I'm not a TV guy that's seen every show, but damn, the the writers left it all on the table, literally. Mm -hmm. Definitely my heart was like, I know it sounds cliche, but I mean, here, well, here's the reality of it though. There really aren't a lot of movies and shows, even ones that I loved. Well, that I, that I love or, and you know, I saw like the Batman, just to pull it within our arena. I was pumped for how it was going to end, but I wasn't like, oh, is there going to be some kind of insane twist? Because ultimately they're going to probably go off of like some storyline from something or another, or what have you. Um, and, and obviously there's going to be a sequel. You know, uh, to pull from another show that we've talked about, Obi-Wan, like... You know it's going to end with a lightsaber duel, because that's typically how Star Wars ends. You know, other things that I've seen, like uh, Money Heist, La Casa de Papel. I mean, it it, it just ended with a long, drawn-out version of what I had already seen in the earlier seasons that was done better in the earlier seasons. Um, so, I, I need to feel something here. And, you know, and I say, I'm saying this about stuff that I wanted to like. And... And even stuff that I did like, like the Casa de Papel, I liked it up until a certain point. Um, and by the end of it, I was like, oh, this just feels like the end of a bad Michael Bay movie. With this, I think it was just because of the fact that everything in this season had been dialed and dialed and dialed up. And then knowing this was going to be the end, and honestly, up until the board meeting... This is going to sound weird. It didn't really even feel a lot like a Succession episode in a way. Or at the very least, it felt like... It did feel like a Succession episode, only... You almost had to forget that these characters were related. Because that was how they react... That was how they interacted with each other. They didn't act like the characters that you had known. They were acting like just more primal versions of these characters. 
And yeah. so, and, and, you know, maybe it's also just that novelty of, like, this is the first time I'm seeing this episode, and it's definitive. What comes next is nothing. It's just having that thought of, like, okay, it, it's all going to end. And if I know anything about how a show or a one-off movie ends, it's got to be definitive enough where you know, there's going to be stakes, there's going to be risks, there's going to be a cost, someone might die, you know, somebody might get beat up, somebody might lose a hand, like, you know, quite literally anything could happen. And so, for one thing, uh, my little, I don't know if I'd call it a theory, because I, I know it was real, I went back on Instagram after we recorded, and I saw photos of it, um, the, the instance where because there were a few scenes in this season where there was an alternate take that they did use for the trailer. And there were also scenes in the trailers that weren't in the show. For example, yeah. Mencken is at Logan's place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, when did that happen? The moment that I said last time about how Kendall grabs Roman, like, by the neck or by the face, I, I swear somebody went back and just removed that from a trailer um, because it... it Honestly, that might have been the only shot from the finale that was in any trailers prior to the episode 10 trailer. Well, if anything, it just made me think, wow, okay, this is going to be visceral enough, a visceral enough moment with the siblings that we've never seen before and could be defining. And even after it's over, even after Kendall and Roman have their tussle, which I, you know, I, I was, I've been waiting for that ever since um, the birth, I think it was the birthday party when, uh, in the treehouse. Like, I thought there was going to be some kind of altercation. And that was one of the first times you see Matson, by the way. Um, and, and Roman was just pushing Kendall's buttons, and Kendall was just, like, so defeated and bent out of shape. Fight back, yeah. Even after the fight ends and Shiv gets out, and even at one point, I, I, I remember seeing it in the subtitles um, with my parents. Uh, Roman does say something about, like, Kendall moves in on Shiv, and Roman, I think, does say something about, like, hey, she's pregnant, what are you doing? Yeah. And it, which, again, leans into my thought earlier of, like, Kendall. Um, but to just further emphasize how soulless Kendall is and how much of a fake person he is, she leaves the room, Roman gets up on the table, and Kendall's like, oh, but, oh we could do this. Uh, we could do that and you're like we get it they're your family but you look at them as chess pieces but you don't yeah. get it do you? you scott you just don't get it do you you just don't so and that's where uh roman says the the other great line of the episode of you know it's all bullshit it's all fucking bullshit so which it's true and then tom gets the job oh my god <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shiv obviously goes in and votes no, yes for the deal. Kendall gets in the elevator, and I think I did see a lot of chatter of this online that they thought Kendall was going to go to the top floor and jump off. And it's like Kendall presses the bottom floor, and the instant thought was that, oh no, he's going to walk into traffic. And it was just like, you know, the instant thought was Kendall was going to self harm, but, um, you know, it. it I just thought it was, uh, I don't want to say it's a red herring. At that point, I mm -hmm. feel like 
it was so close to the ending that it wasn't nothing dramatic was going to happen. But yeah, Kendall is as broken as he ever is. Uh, Roman, you know, I I do, I don't, obviously Roman is a great character, but I obviously don't like him. You know, he wouldn't be our friend. But it's so funny how the person that comes out of this, the most quote-unquote normal, the most quote-unquote unaffected is Roman. He goes mm-hmm. and orders Jerry's favorite drink, and he's just back to being, as the internet says, a mil- billionaire playboy. As <sighs> broken as he might be, he gets the martini. Oh, Gesundheit. <coughs> Ooh, nasty allergies. Red sky. But yeah. Yeah, I got, he orders gotta the- love those smoky skies, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, he orders the Jerry, and he smirks, and I thought that was like, it's like a blink and you miss it kind of deal. But I it's missed so funny. it too. Yeah, because it blew my mind. Oh my god. Yeah, he orders the Jerry, so it's like he's obviously still hung up. You know, even though you don't see Jerry, it's a, it's the last nod. Uh, you don't see Cut at all, which is par <laughs> for the show. But you know, Shiv gets into the car with Tom, really defeated. Tom, being the ultimate say yes businessman, or as Shiv says at one point. You know, which really I think was the turning point of Tom getting the job. He'll suck the biggest dick of anybody in the the biggest dick in the room. Tom plays ball with the celebration. He's all like, let's pop the champagne and things like that. Mm -hmm. And Tom is a good CEO. And then he gets in the car and you have that the graduate-esque shot of Tom and Shiv in the car. And uh, definitely awkward or awkward might not be the wrong right word, but there's not good vibes there in the car. So uh, I think the Tom and Shiv ending and, you know, that's that Shiv is still pregnant at this point is really dark and ominous, you know, mm-hmm. for all of Kendall's, you know, and we'll get to Kendall in a second, but like for all of Kendall's things going on, I thought, you know, if Kendall somehow didn't exist, if the last shot you saw was Kendall in the elevator, the Tom and Shiv ending was really dark. Hmm. It was just a, a loveless, soulless marriage. Tom is this, uh, you know, weak CEO who Matson will probably flip at a moment's notice. And Shiv's just hanging on for relevancy. So uh, that was really dark. And then, of course, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, I just I was going to add to that because I something I forgot to mention earlier is that um, during that just that final interview between Matson and Tom, Matson's trying to be all coy and be like, yeah, Shiv and I, I think, want to sleep with each other. And Tom is just, you know, he, he's like the yep. Sphinx. And, you know, uh, Matson's <laughs> like, this is, that's not weird, is it? And, Ma- and Tom's just like, no, 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 <laughs> no. Yeah, you know that's going to be in the future. And then the thing I kept going away with, because you're right, it, it, it in that whole sense it's dark. It's also the fact that, Shiv won, but not in the way she was expecting. Like, her, okay, my brothers aren't CEO. I'm not CEO, but I'm married to the I'm the wife and child bearer of the CEO. Like, there's so much, and, and, you know, we could go into a whole other episode talking about just, like, what this episode means in terms of just pinpointing stereotypes, but also re- very real things in, like, the culture of the rich in America, but like the fact that, you know, and, and, and I'll just say it as it is like, she thought she could get the job because she was daddy's little girl. 
and ultimately she wins you know by by a very weird margin of just simply being the wife of you know the guy that Matson thought was going to be the the guy that would kiss his butt the most so it's very defeating but it's still i mean you can just see the misery in her face of of just like i thought i was doing everything right and it still went my way just not completely you know like i i still can't get over that and i i that's why to this day it's like i i look at shiv and kendall uh, i keep switching roman and kendall i look at roman and shiv and feel like both of them got a win in that kendall's not ceo um and both of them are trying to sort of swallow that down along with whatever else is coming their way in shiv's case with a loveless marriage and illegitimacy in terms of the family business but also with roman i mean you know other podcasts have been like oh he can live this life as like a rich playboy and whatever but it's kind of like i don't really know what else he can do now you know and obviously there's we have no idea if there's ever going to be any like litigation coming out of Jerry. Like it's one of those things where it is very owl man. It's very nothing matters. Like I'm just going to have a martini and have a laugh. Like it is very nihilistic, very jokerish. Um but I mean mm. that's what this character's become and in Shiv's case it's like, yeah. You know, all of her conniving and all of her I have this, I have that, I can do this, I can do that. Sorry, honey. It's it's all boiled down to you were the daughter of the C of the CEO, and you thought you were gonna get the job because he said, "Pinky, you'll get it." Well, you got it, but eh, eh, just a little bit. Yeah, not and really. She's, and uh, oh god, what is the the name of the wife of Jeff Bezos or Melinda Gates? Like mm -hmm. she also. I, <coughs> You know, it's funny, I think of the wife of Rupert Murdoch as, like, maybe the example of what she is, like, supposed to be the stand-in for. I'm not saying the writers wrote her as a stand-in for Rupert Murdoch's wife, but um, she is kind of in that weird position. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I agree. It is, I don't know what the Shiv fans are called online, but I also would love to know, like, their true feelings on how they felt about her ending. But, you know... I considered myself a Ken head. You know, Ken isn't bad as is a bad guy. He killed a man or he contributed, you know, would be convicted of manslaughter in a proper trial and not a good dad, which hits home and it hurts to see him be mm -hmm. not a good dad. He did not give a shit about his kids. That was really hurtful to see. But, you know, story for another time. But for rooting for him, for feeling like I'm the guy with sunglasses in a suit walking in New York City. I'm the boss, you know? Like, man, Kendall's ending also hit hard. Um, Kendall, he hires... And this is almost like a throwaway in episode 9 or 10. It's like yeah. a, a one-minute scene of he finds Colin. Colin's just like, yeah, I'm seeing a... I think they say a shrink, which I suppose at this point is a derogatory term for a scene therapist. But it says, I'm seeing a shrink, or seeing... Like uh, and he's like, oh yeah, I guess I'll protect you, you know. And that's also kind of was like for me, like another hint that Ken was gonna win is that he'll be Logan, mm, yeah. with no friends and have Collins. But <laughs> at the end, Kendall's walking through Battery Park, right there by the Statue of Liberty in New York City, and it's like a sunset, hazy red sky, and he just sits on a bench and he stares at the water, 
and you know the succession music successions really hard and it's really good and that's how the show closes if i remember but yep i did hear or i did read on the internet that there was mm-hmm. a take yes i know this I knew, yeah go on yeah where jeremy strong climbed over the railing of the battery park uh and the insinuation that he would jump into the water. And it's funny because I remember reading right after the episode, seeing a lot of the discussion saying, well, Ken is trapped by Colin. You know, he can't kill himself because he has that bodyguard. The bodyguard would prevent him from self-harming like that. True. Yada, yada. And Which the I actor also... in real life did, by the way. The actor like, well, oh, no, Jeremy, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah and which also like you don't want to jump in there for many reasons also <laughs> like he actually could have died but it was just really i i'm glad they didn't go that way i feel like you the show was smart enough to not like have to go that far to show was like yeah he might actually kill himself but um nobody's there for him the only person that for him is colin it's mm-hmm. the same way his dad died his dad died few nights before his dad died he was in the diner with the body same bodyguard saying like you're my friend and then look where kendall is at the end so yeah i think that was just as satisfying as ending (laughs) really dark really satisfying but i would say in my experience like one of the darkest endings to a show maybe ever for some of the greatest shows that we talk about uh, in our generation as millennials breaking bad sopranos like this has to be one of the darkest other shows mm. when the end if they don't leave you confused a la sopranos or if they don't leave you satisfied a la breaking bad i mean spoiler alert he had cancer <laughs> this was the perfect like you didn't have to kill anybody to make everyone feel dead inside watching i don't know yeah how you feel necessarily you know and i hate saying like where does this rank but really like was this ending satisfying for you at first i was very unsure but i i still liked everything that i saw up until the very last few moments but certainly after especially after rewatching it after having at this point almost a week to think about it because i you know i was a week behind from watching it so finally getting to sit down and see it it's I, i've had less time to, to digest it than everyone else has but for the most part i thought about it more and more and in some ways, it harkens back to what we said last time about could we see the show going on another season, but without Logan? Like, say Logan died, but this wasn't the final season. And I think it we would have watched the hell out of it, but we also, I think, would have started to feel a sense of repetition. Because even, I'll admit, even early on in season four, there was a part of me that was like, okay, it's it's already starting to feel a little bit like the beginning of season three where the siblings have all these big ideas like the hundred, but you know, and, and, you know, Roman's slowly kind of moving off towards back to, uh, to Logan. There were no strings attached because of the fact that it was the final season. So they could start doing all these kinds of things and really bring these characters into a totally different light, more like out of the light and into the dark, if anything just pushing them further and further into the dark and then finally culminating it with the way that it ended. You really did pull a a George Lucas, you know, it's like poetry at rhymes moment where (laughs) I'm not going to do this poetry at rhymes, but yes, (laughs) it it was very 
poetic. What you said was was poetic, poetic in the sense that, like, yeah, Kendall and Colin having that moment at the end was very reminiscent of what happens at the end of, uh, you know, Colin's last scene with Logan. You think about the siblings, and you're like, okay, I see a chance for uh, maybe Roman and Shiv meeting back up, and potentially the two of them with Connor, but Kendall, I mean, he ne he will never see Tom again. I don't think he's ever going to want to see Shiv for as long as he lives. Roman, I think he, he just totally looks to him like he's nothing. And I think that was evident in this final episode more than ever. So, yeah, I mean, his only friend is his dad's bodyguard who also knows his darkest secret. Yeah. And it also happens to be your dad's last friend and only friend. So having an ending like that, and obviously the ambiguity of like, you know, did Kendall jump off and kill himself? Did he not? What is he going to do? Is he going to kill himself some other way? Is he not going to commit suicide at all? Like, obviously there's like so many different possibilities that I don't want answered. The whole point of the show, and I, I, I think it was Jesse Armstrong, the creator of the show, who said it himself, like, show is called succession well the succession happened there's no need left to tell the story the succession finally happened you know 39 episodes later it happened it's done move on move, go home you know as as a co-star of uh connor's actor alan ruck would say you know what you still here movie's over go go home so, you know, and, and I yeah. honestly, I like that. I like finality like that. I want more films and <coughs> films and shows to be like that because, you know, when everything's a sequel or a spinoff or a reboot or a remake or this, that, and the other, I'm just like, God, I gotta go watch that so I know that. And No, that could have been a Sopranos cut to black right there, but... Yeah, in a way it was, honestly. It, it really does have that, does he make it, doesn't he make it? feeling i don't anticipate that there's going to be a <laughs> succession prequel necessarily like we don't need it we saw these characters for who they were the whole time you know we don't need a roman gets abused as a child series or anything like that like there's a lot of dark things that they could do but i think the show writers proved that they know how to handle the material through the course of the show i thought they handled it really well extremely well-written show i think one of the best well one of the most well-written shows in a long time but i think with that they nailed the ending perfectly and uh in in so many different ways with the suspense with the surprise so i'm uh, very satisfied and that's that's not even talking about how good the actors were how much they sold it like Mm -hmm. nobody mailed it in like everybody sold it you believed every single character you believed nothing was implausible i suppose like there was no brand let's make brand king moment whatsoever <laughs> everything yeah. in the series like you know greg didn't become ceo there was nothing outlandish so i think that also adds to the finality that like this felt very plausible within the succession universe so Really, really nice ending. I would be very disappointed if they came out with a prequel. Would I watch it? Of course, or like some sort of sequel. But uh, they wrapped it up nicely. Uh, they 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 sold it, and I'm gonna think about this finale for a really long time. Succession for me is an easily rewatchable 
show. I feel like of all the show, of all the studios and companies and and whatnot that make really good TV shows, and and you know, I I have my thoughts and feelings about Warner Brothers, HBO, Max, as it's now called, not Max. HBO Max, just Max. I have a lot of thoughts on all of that that I probably will never give on this show, but it became clear to me I was with my folks one more time before I uh, came back to Worcester and I realized there's like a handful of HBO shows I could just go back and not only just rewatch to binge but also just watch any episode and not have it feel out of place whether it's Curb Your Enthusiasm, whether it's John Adams, Angels in America, um, The Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire, you name it and Succession's easily in that same category, and it's all those other shows, and you know, yeah, some of them are miniseries, but regardless of that, all of them have a premiere quality to them that I just don't think you get anywhere else, you know. And and this isn't me trying to hype up HBO as the best, because it's definitely not, but the fact that it was so all about storytelling and so all about, you know, giving these modern day comparisons to all these other tales and you know fathers and sons and all that stuff you know the poetry george it, it still elevates it where it feels so original and it feels so timeless and i think that's where all these other shows that i've mentioned from the same network all why they all feel that way and i'm eager to binge the whole show obviously because believe me i've gone back to episode one. Oh my god Five years ago, these people were so baby-faced, it's ridiculous. And it was only five years ago. Like, what the hell happened? And, you know, on top of that, too, uh, now you can go back and watch the whole show with more of a focus on Tom, if anything. That's, and I, I remember I said that to my mom, and she was kind of like, that's a good point. That's a really good point. So, I'm, I know, when I do binge the show, which will probably be this year, um... Not a lot of other shows that I'm on the lookout for. I forgot when the boys, the new season of the boys comes out. It should be this summer, but as a, jeez, as Palpatine once said, I'll be watching Tom's career with great interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, you know, and, and that's a great final point. I think rewatchability definitely really high. I think you know this show was strong throughout. Watching it through a new lens because of the unpredictable ending makes it extremely watchable. Watching these characters progress, although, you know, I'm sure there's the argument that they didn't really grow and progress. Well, yeah, we look at the ending, but um, rewatchability high. I mean, it's been, it's feels so funny that we've been without Logan for seven episodes, but it feels like a whole season at this point. Like, mm -hmm. if, if season, if this season one ended after three episodes for some reason, and this was season five, it would have, I would have totally bought it because Logan was such a force that he's going to exist in the TV verse forever. He's, he's an iconic character. <laughs> and I think, you know, the first three and a half seasons are definitely like are worth watching just for him alone. Mm -hmm. And for the actors too, watching all the micro micro, what is it? Um, all the little intricacies of everyone's relationship. From the first episode, Tom was bossing Greg around, and then I'm just like, what's the deal here? You know, is Tom gay? Is Tom... Yeah, and it's just like, I I can't believe, like, watching it, going back and thinking, like, it's it's mind-blowing how these... 
how somehow they have not progressed, but they've also progressed as characters. Mm -hmm. They've had character development with still being the same shitty people. And I think that's just like the mark of a good show. They did not get flanderized. I'm sure we'll have potentially more succession talk down the line. But for now, I think this is a good way to button it up. Listeners, I, I've sort of hinted at other shows you could definitely check out that talk about succession. I'll put that the, those links in the description of the episode. Um, obviously, the first one you should go to, which I've kind of gone back and forth on. But definitely when it came to takes of how the show ended meaning like what they filmed i definitely recommend the second to last episode of the official hbo succession podcast um because that one they do have the interview with jeremy strong where he does talk about jumping into the the hudson river so um i think it was the hudson was it or yeah right there by the statue of liberty i think so yeah we're not yeah. new yorkers so our, I... our west coast is showing I yeah I I only know it from National Treasure but we need to talk about that right now. Um, so uh, to wrap this up very quickly, uh, I am in multiple group chats with this man Andrew and Andrew and all of those chats. <laughs> guess who you are? I am the oldest boy. <laughs> and with that, listeners, we're done. Mars on Life is a podcast co-hosted by Sebastian Shug, Ryan Mancini, Andrew Martinez, and Matt Fernandez. If you like this episode, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite shows, as Mars on Life is available on Anchor, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Audible, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podchaser. Find us on Instagram at Mars on Life Show to keep up with the latest news, episodes, and gratuitous updates on the Red Planet. Have a question, comment, or request? Email us at marsonlife at gmail.com, and we'll promptly get back to you. This show's artwork, titled Happy Mars, was drawn by Zachary Urbrick. Our show's regular intro and outro music is Space Explorers, by the one and only Kevin McLeod. Thank you for listening, and always remember, if you keep going, you'll make it to Mars. <laughs>